Welcome. We are so glad you've joined us today. Are you ready for another Bayside Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. Pastor Peter. Good morning, church. Um, should I keep you standing or should I sit you down? You guys have been sitting for a little bit, so maybe just stay standing just for a second. Wow, the presence of God is in this place, amen? Yeah, so good. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. I've got a bit of a word today. Um, God was speaking to me to the week, through the week, and I had a really busy week, and uh, I'll be perfectly honest with you, I was a little bit like rattled this morning. I'm like, oh, I don't feel like I've got enough for you guys, but God's here, so it's all good. Um, why don't you just turn to your neighbor and say this, neighbor, there's a sausage sizzle after church. Hey, hey, you said a lot more words than just there's a sausage sizzle after church. Rowdy bunch. Say, so neighbor, last time Matt did a, made us do this. I said I'd buy you lunch. And that didn't happen. But there's a sausage sizzle after church. So I'm going to buy you a $250 sausage. (laughs) No, turn to your other neighbor, the one that you didn't choose, and say, neighbor... You're the pretty one. I was just too too embarrassed to say it the first time. Someone just met their future partner right then. Praise God. (laughs) No, no, in all seriousness, say this, neighbor. The title of Matt's sermon today is... Are you ready? Say, drink, brother, drink. You guys can sit down real quick. So good. When I was young, I, I, I wasn't born in Harvey Bay. I didn't grow up in Harvey Bay. I actually grew up in a country town called Charleville. And... Uh, and not even that, I, we actually lived 70 kilometers out of town on a cattle station. Um, I grew up there. The, the station was called Tyrone. And um, no, he was not a black man. Um, it was a cattle station. Um, anyways, I grew up there. And uh, our cattle station was about 42,000 acres. And I was there with my uh, two older sisters and my dad. We ran the cattle station. And uh, my parents were also the pastors of the local church in town, in Charleville. And uh, every year we used to have an event called Easter Camp. And, uh, you know, a couple hundred people would gather each year from all over the place. We had, it was actually really funny, we used to have like a whole group of grey nomads that used to travel around each year, and because it was the start of winter... Easter camp would be the first place they stop in on their travels north, right? So we had about 30 caravans parked on our property and they sucked all the power and, and uh, we actually had to get like the electricians in to upgrade our transformer. The whole deal was pretty wild. 
It's caravans, man. Anyways, um, we had this big event, and it went for the, for the Friday, the Saturday, the Sunday, and uh, people would go home on Monday, and we basically had just big revival meetings every Easter. And we used to have a, uh, a meetings in a shearing shed, uh, which is where you, uh, you, you bring sheep in to shear them, uh, to get the wool, and you fleece the wool, the whole deal. Anyways, um, we actually retrofitted the shearing shed to suit meetings. So we put more concrete in, and we got rid of all the dividers, and we had a stage up one end, and we used to fit probably 300, 350 people in this shearing shed. It was probably a similar similar size to this, and um, it was just like timber and tin. And uh, we had the most amazing times. We probably ran it for a good 18 years straight. And uh, the amount of lives that were touched there, mine included, was just incredible. Anyways, uh, I remember one year we brought in an amazing statesman minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ called Clark Taylor. And he, he, um, he came to us and he was ministering and it was one of the nights, it was probably first night we just got started early and um and you know I cannot remember what he made you know a call for whatever it was but I found myself as a young man um on the altar and Clark Taylor's coming past ministering to people and I remember he came to me and he said these words well he probably said a couple of words but these three distinct words I remember he came to me and he said drink son drink and I was like, drink what? <laughs> Are we having communion again? What's going on, you know? And he's, drink, son, drink. And I remember the power of God came on me and um, touched my life powerfully. And I've been a little bit quirky ever since. <laughs> and um, anyways, my life pursuit really... Um, my faith life pursuit has always been after these words. What does it truly mean to receive from God? What does it truly mean to what Clark said to me in his terms? Drink, son, drink. What does it mean? Because in the moment I thought he was talking about physical drink, but my life until this point realized that there's actually a part of God, there's a part of his spirit that you can actually partake as something that's sustenance to you. That can happen on an altar when the Holy Spirit is being imparted to people by a minister or ministers. It can happen when you're quiet time on a Tuesday evening after a bad day at work. You can actually drink of God. So turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, drink. <laughs> Psalms, uh, Psalms. 46, verse 4 says this. It says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God that flow from the tabernacle, the holy place. There is a river, and I believe that river, its tributaries are going to go out today, and some people are going to get caught up. Is that cool? But this is the thing. I've seen a lot of God's Spirit poured out in a lot of different ways, a lot of different settings, in large meetings, small meetings, personally, with my family. 
um, and I've seen a lot of people's lives touched by the river of God, by the Holy Spirit, by His power, His person, and His presence. I've seen it with my eyes. I've seen the, mani- the physical manifestation of God touch someone. But then I've also seen a lot of those same people go dry and stale and then walk away from God or they just sit and they never actually contribute anything by faith to the body of Christ. And I'm like, why? They got touched by God. And God said to me, and I was actually chatting with my good friend, Pastor Neil Myers this week, and he said a lot of people get touched by God, but they never actually receive to be filled with God. It says in the Bible, in the book of Acts, that the apostles were filled with the power of God, not just touched by it. And I was like, I, I, you know, this doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. And then I was reading Ezekiel uh, chapter 47, um, and it's talking about how Ezekiel is having a vision and he sees a river flowing from, uh, basically from, from, the throne room of heaven, right? And this guide um, is taking him and explaining what the river means. And it comes to a verse and it says that the guide took him to the river bank and he measured out a thousand cubics. I don't know how far that is, but it's a thousand cubics. And he leads me out and I was ankle deep and he measures out another thousand cubics and he leads me out and I'm knee deep and then so on. And I'm up to, my, up to his chest. And then another thousand cubics and I was swimming and then the, the guide brings him back to the bank. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. He's explaining about the vastness, the power, the, 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 the uh, volume of the Spirit of God. It's talking about the Spirit of God that's flowing from the heart of God. And God said to me, many people go swimming, but not many people drink. Imagine this, right? You take a cup and you spray water on it. The cup is wet, but it has no, no substance to actually do anything. But when you actually impart something into the cup and the cup receives the water that's going in, that actually has sustenance to overflow. Both are wet, but one has substance. I'm just, I'm just trying to paint these different analogies for you guys so we can see the difference that there's, you can actually be a participant in a move of God or you can actually partake of God. There are many people who become participants, very few partake. And I just want to lead us a little bit today and, uh, and I believe we're going to start to go from participants to partakers. Is that cool? Oh, the front couple people think it's awesome. Sweet. I'm going to go there anyways. Hey? Isaiah 55 verse 1 says this. I want to read it to you. Isaiah 55. I'm just reading from the Amplified today. It might show up on the screen, but it basically says the same thing in most translations. But it starts like this. It says, wait and listen. Everyone who is thirsty... Come to the water, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat. 
Yes, come buy priceless spiritual wine and milk without money and without price, simply for the self-surrender that accepts the blessing. And then verse 2 says this, Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your earnings for what does not satisfy? Hear then diligently to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in the fatness, the, um, prof- uh, the uh, fatness of spiritual joy. Incline your ear, submit and consent to the divine will and um, to the divine will and come to me here and your soul will receive and you and I will make an everlasting covenant or league with you even the sure mercy kindness goodwill and compassion promise to David wow I just want to I just want to break this down like we might even get out early at this rate right it's super simple message today you can get some sausages early <laughs> there is no qualification needed for you to receive you don't need anything he just says come that's the old testament and he says come 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 All who are thirsty. You know the people that don't drink water are the ones that don't thirst. It's like, I know you're like, Matt, this is just like so elementary, but it's such a spiritual truth. Those those that don't drink water aren't the ones that are thirsty. So I ask this question, where are you getting your water from? If you, are a part, if you are a participant in the things of God, you'll be a partaker somewhere else. You'll be partaking from a different well, a different water, a different source. Pete talked about today with, uh, with both the communion and tithing that you can actually, right, you can be trusting in something else other than God for your breakthrough. It's the same with the things of God, with the Holy Spirit. You can say, yes, I believe in the move of the Spirit. Yes, I'm filled with the Spirit. But you'll be walking around not hungering and thirsting for righteousness because you'll be partaking of something else. Right? The only qualification to receiving from God, actually moving from a participant to a partaker, is recognizing your need of water. It's so easy to get busy doing life. Even in ministry, every pastor you'll talk to can say this and testify. It's easy to get caught up doing the things of God and participating in the things of God rather than partaking of Him. It's so true. It is so true. But I just want to bring us back. I want to bring us back to that moment when you first gave your heart to the Lord. Or that, that moment when you first got filled with His Spirit. And it just felt like nothing else mattered. Only Him. I only want to receive from Him day and night. Morning and afternoon. 
I want to bring us back to that place because I really think God is wanting to take the church, take the body of Christ, take the believers of Jesus Christ to another level of just complete surrender and submittiveness to Him, to His Spirit, to His will. And it only comes when we move ourselves to the place of saying, I need water. I need Him. Oh, I need His Spirit. I need His presence. John 14 says this. This is when Jesus is with the disciples um, with the Last Supper. And um, Jesus is talking about how He's not going to go. Um, he's, he's not going to stay much longer. He's going to go. And, um, but it'll be fine because the disciples will know where He's going. And Philip pipes up and he's like, how will we know? And um, John uh, 14, I think it's first like 16 or 19, it says this, Jesus says, how much longer that I be with you, right? And you haven't learned to recognize me yet. Because if you recognized me, you would know my father and you would know where I go. How much longer will it take for you to recognize me? And this is going to be the move of God that I really feel that's going to happen. Yes, we're going to see signs and wonders. We're going to see the repentance movement. We're going to see the worship. We're going to see people, um, you know, just walking past another Christian. And the Spirit of God will convict the person of sin. And they'll want to repent. They'll know there's something different about you. Yes, all that. But it will all start when we go, I want to learn to recognize the presence of God in my life now. And then you won't have to wait for a big move of God or a big revival or a big hoo-ha and a shout. You'll just be living in your own revival by yourself. When Murray Newman was here a couple of weeks ago on the Saturday, he was talking to the pastors and leaders and he was talking to them about not staying as pools where everyone has to come to them, come drink here, come do this, stay here. This is where you get your healing. This is where you get your worship this is where you get your word this is where you get but he actually talked about going from that and he used the illustration of the pool of bethesda the place where all the lame people all the sick people just waited around for the stirring of the water so they could jump in and get healed he said don't be that type of church that the only place people can get filled with the spirit or led to jesus or all that is just here this is the only place you can get discipled this this here here us us me me He said, you want to become a river that flows out. Drink, son, drink. And I want to take you to a passage of scripture where Jesus, let me just read it to you. Hey, how about that? Does that sound good? John 7, 37 says this, ready? On the last day, The great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scriptures say, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit whom those believing in Him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not glorified. I just want to take, I want to, um, I want to just open this up a little bit, right? So what Jesus did, that, that specific feast and that specific temple, 
the, um, there was a well there and they literally called it living waters, right? And then at the end of the feast, the last day of the feast, which is the most important day of the feast, because the way that it went, the practices they had, the rituals that they had, the Jewish people, was they, they would eat and they would celebrate, right? But at the end of the feast, although they'd eaten and been filled, they were still thirsty, okay? And then at the end of the ceremony, the last day, the high priest would come out and take a cup from uh, and fill it up from the well which was called living waters and they would pour it out on the dirt as a representation of Jesus of the Holy Spirit which they knew was coming they knew that but they didn't even recognize it and Jesus was going to come and heal the land okay and then Jesus jumps up there last day of the feast all the people there, there's probably hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of people, all there celebrating this feast. The high priest would have been there and he's like, who the heck is this guy? Jump up and grab the microphone. Now he wants to preach. What the heck? Jesus gets up and he doesn't fill up the cup from the well, which was called living water. He doesn't pour it out. He gets up and says, says these words. If anyone thirsts, everyone would have been thirsty. Right? We're starting to get some context here. Everyone that came to celebrate, they were there. They were feasting. They were celebrating. They were celebrating this feast that they were doing. The, um, uh, I forget the name of it. Anyways, um, it's probably not that important. Well, it is, but I don't remember it. Right? They were participating in this fellowship, this feast. They were eating. They were merry. They would have been singing songs, singing psalms, right? Going through rituals. And they were all thirsty. Jesus gets up and says, Every single person here, I am here that you can drink, that your thirst will be quenched. And one drink will go from a pool, from a well, and it will become a river. Do you know how a church becomes a river and not a pool? When we all start to drink of God. <laughs> See how simple this is? We put so much pressure on, on, on this. We, we put so much pressure on this. We put so much pressure on pastors, right? And it's not all a bad thing, but every single one of us is responsible for our own river. You can drink all on your own. You can have rivers of living water flowing from within all on your own. Is this good, Darcy? Is it just going all over their heads or what? No? It's all good. It's just like a Presbyterian church in here. It's all good. We can all partake of the Spirit of God. I'm not saying we don't believe for impartation. I'm not saying we don't believe in gathering. I'm not saying I don't believe in tithing or taking communion together or the house of God, right? That is all crucial to our Christian faith, but drinking is on you. I can't make you drink. So when it's a Tuesday and your class from teaching have just been absolute rat bags, you can go and drink and then bring a river the next morning. 
You can go and partake of Jesus and take a river to your construction site the next morning. You can actually go and partake of Jesus and take a river to the surgery the next morning in the hospital. He's starting to get the concept here. You can come and you can drink in the morning and then you can take a river the next time you're chopping veggies. Isn't that right, Chris? Rivers of living water flowing from within. All I'm trying to do, right, I'm not trying to blow your minds with some amazing revelation. I'm just wanting to make you thirst on a Tuesday afternoon. I, I, am, I, I desire today that you go home and on Wednesday morning there is a thirst within you for living waters. I am, I'm just uh, bringing out a couple of scriptures, not with eloquent words, not perfectly rehearsed. I am just trying to stir up the thirst in you so that when you come to church next Sunday, you're not coming to a pool, you're, you're bringing a river. Right? And like I said at the start, there is no other qualification needed to partake of Christ. Can, can I tell you why? Ready, listen to this. Colossians 1, verse 9 to 14 says this. For this reason, this is Paul speaking. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all of my, all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy giving thanks to the father who is qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of his son of love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Right? The Father who has qualified me to be a partaker of the Holy Spirit, the inheritance. God has actually paid the price for the qualification needed for you to be a partaker, not a participant. Isn't that cool? You just thought I had partaker and participant because they both started with P. But it was. <laughs> Can I tell you a story? When I was first dating Rachel, right, we, um, I lived out west still and she still lived here in Harvey Bay. And um, she actually... Uh, I can't remember. When, we, when did we do this trip, Rach? Was it in December? It was, I'm pretty sure it was December, right? So she had planned to come out. She uh, flew out or caught the bus out or something. 
And um, she spent some time with us. And that year specifically, uh, Charleville was in drought, severe drought. We hadn't had rain. Well, next to no rain for like three or four years. And um, amazing testimony. All of our, all of our bores, right? So the, the, the bores that we'd run down, drilled down to the artesian basin and put pumps on to pump water out. They had actually collapsed and we couldn't get water out anymore. So we were relying purely on the water from our dams and we had to cart water consistently out to the cattle troughs, to the different paddocks, and we were carting 10,000 litres a day out of these dams and we had already, they had not been filled up with rain um, and we were pulling out 10,000 litres a day, right? For almost a whole year. And every dam basically had dried up completely apart from the dam right next to a house. And at this stage, there was this tiny little puddle, probably about as big as this, right, where the dam is larger than this building. There was this tiny little puddle right down in the middle, and we were pumping 10,000 litres a day out of this little puddle, and it never, ever went dry. Like... It wasn't like it was deep. You could walk across it. It never went dry. That's not even the story, but I just felt to share that with you. You know, even the, 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 um, spirit, the, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I want to speak that provision over you right now, right? If you need supernatural provision in this place, lift your hands. Father, like you did it for us with that tiny dam, Lord God, 10,000 liters a day, 20,000 liters a day still wouldn't have ran your provision dry. I speak that over you now in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Father supernatural provision we have many other stories like that but this was the season we were in it was boiling hot anyways my wife Rachel came out and spent some time with us and she experienced us cutting uh, water and and cutting mulga trees to feed her cattle because all the grass had died and uh, I knew she was coming and we had planned this road trip up north, we were going to work our way all the way to 770, stopping at different relatives on the, right, on the way. And then we were to come back, and it was the first time I was going to meet her parents. And um, all nerve-wracking, I wanted it to go well, and I really liked this girl. And, you know, I was like, man, I'd love to marry her one day. And, um, and I was like, this needs to go well. So I fixed up my Toyota Land Cruiser, right? This red Land Cruiser who had lots of rust in it, and it was like a driving oven. And so I fixed up the aircon, and it was icy cold. I put a lot of work, got this aircon fixed up right like a month before she got there. The whole month I was chilling, man. I, it was so good. I saw other guys sweating their butts off, and I was just rolling past like, mm, like just in a cold room. It was amazing. Okay. And then she arrived, and I was like, check this out. I've got my air on fixed. And from that moment, everything started to go wrong. <laughs> Picked her up, and we went out to the property, and I got a flat tire on the way out there. And, and then we did stuff, and, and it was come to the morning where we're about, we're about to leave. <clears throat> we're about to leave to go on this road trip. And it was 5.30 in the morning. And it was 35 degrees. And 
um, my mum got up early with us and, and uh, she, you know, literally the only thing she said other than goodbye was, do you guys have enough water? And I was like, yeah, mum, it's all good. I, like, I had like two little bottles or something. I'm like, it's all good, but my aircon's sweet, right? <laughs> we get going and like 30 minutes down the road, my aircon stops working. It's just blowing hot air. And it's 5.30 and it's 35 degrees Celsius. Anyway, so we're on this road trip. I was like, no stress. I wind down the windows. Oh, and we just picked up a new puppy too. So it was myself, Rage, 35 degrees in an oven and a puppy. And we're driving and our first stop, right, I had this perfect thing planned. We're going to have a picnic at this national park called Selvtor Rosa because it's got, it's like the northern part of Carnarvon Gorge and it's got this freshwater spring that runs through it and it's crystal clear and it's phenomenal. We drive there and um, it's boiling hot and we get there and there's a bushfire. <laughs> no word of a lie, okay? We get there, there's a bushfire and... And normally, like, there's quite a bit of water in this creek. We get there and there's about, like, two inches of water running in this creek and it's boiling hot. And I'm like, we're chilling there. And then we literally have the rangers come and they're like, how the heck did you get in here? There's a bushfire. You need to leave. And we're like, no, no, it's totally sweet. And they're like, no, no, you need to go. Oh, man, plan's wrecked again. Get back in the oven and we keep going. <laughs> and along the road, I noticed that Rach is starting to get, like, like red and flushed and like, you know, um, not responding. <laughs> Maybe even drooling. And I'd be like, Rachel, are you all right? And she'd be like, ooh. <laughs> hey? And I was, the first thing that popped to my head was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to kill my dog. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> I just got this new dog. <laughs> the dog was okay. It was it was licking Rach and she's like and he's like, Don't leave me with him, you know. And anyway, she's like not responding, we're driving, we've hit, we've made it to bitumen by this stage. And um and I'm literally, I'm like, I'm about to kill my girlfriend. She's about to die from heat stroke. Uh, it was bad. <laughs> Anyways, we pull, I, I pull up, right, next to this dry creek bed, and there's this little puddle, and it's green, and there's a dead kangaroo in it. <laughs> and I pull up, and I'm like, get in the water, you know. And, and I, I literally had to help her out of the car. I got her down. I parted the slime. <laughs> this is not a word of a lie. And I put her in the water. And, and her, core, her core temperature drops. And she becomes, like, lucid again. <laughs> she starts responding to me. And, um, and, you know, crisis averted. I put my dog in the water too, so... And uh, I was fine, by the way. I grew up in heat. I was all good. But her te core temperature dropped from being in the water. But who knows, if she didn't drink anything, her condition would not have improved. She didn't drink that water. We actually had water. Does that make sense? 
her condition, her core temperature may have dropped, but if she didn't actually partake of water, she probably still would have died. Am I right? Like, you think she, you know, just a couple of heat spots, like, she was not responding to me. And if she didn't partake of water, her condition wouldn't improve. And this is what I want to see in our church, in my life, in our leaders, is that we not just come participants in a move of God, not just participants in the move of His Spirit, and not just participants and come up the front every now and again and get a shakabundi and a hallelujah, but we actually become partakers of the Spirit of God and we go from little green slimy puddles and we have rivers of living water flowing from within drink son drink drink daughter drink rivers of living water thank you for joining us the Bayside Christian Church community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ if you want to know more or just keep in touch check us out at www.baysidechristianchurch.com.au or follow us on our social media sites at Bayside Christian Church.